You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. In the book of Romans, the book of Romans today, um, I got to talk with some guys about moving some stuff around and uh, I keep saying that I want to get some other guys in here teaching and I really mean it. Um, I just need to uh, kind of get some solid commitments and things of that nature. Uh, I don't want to be a ball hog. I, I, I want to give people opportunity uh, to serve and, um, you know, and, and really, you know, I, I've told this before, even just about having the young guys do devotions. I, I have them do devotions so often because I'm a little bit more uh, forward with them, I guess. I'll put them on the spot and say, hey, can you do one next Sunday? Uh, to where, for whatever reason, with the guys, I like giving the, the, the grown men kind of more of the option and uh, letting you be more assertive, but I would love for uh, you men to be willing to uh, give some devotions. Maybe you're, maybe you're not ready to, to do a whole Sunday school class, but uh, I'll let you in on a little secret. It's not really much of a secret, but one of the reasons anytime any of the preachers that we have in the church, I try to get them up here as often as, they, as I can. You know, whether it is just leading, singing, or announcements or anything, because the more they're up here, the more comfortable they can kind of get being up here with people looking at them and preaching out to people. So maybe, uh, maybe if you have aspirations to teach, but you're not sure if you could stand up and teach yet, start by doing some devotions and, uh, and you know, you'll kind of maybe get through some of that. But uh, in the book of Romans today, I just want to uh, take a moment to look at... Uh, the Apostle Paul, you ever taken time to think about the way God used this man, Paul? I mean, just amazing, isn't it? And I think like if you're saved by the grace of God, I believe somewhere deep in your heart you have a desire to serve the Lord. Um, and I know as we go on in life and stuff, sometimes we can get distracted and maybe that can uh, wane. But, but I want to challenge your hearts today and challenge my heart uh, just to get back to that idea and that 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 heart of wanting to be a servant for Christ, wanting to be all that we can be for the Lord in whatever it is that God's called us to do. Uh, remember, I just mentioned a moment ago, those who have surrendered to preach. Well, uh, that's not the only ministry that there is. That's not the only thing you can do for God. And I am a firm believer, and I believe it's a very biblical truth, that, uh, that whatever it is that you're doing, everyone, God, God, Think about this. I'll, I'll bring this up probably next month. I want to have a missions emphasis, and we'll get more into our missions uh, budget and things like that, which uh, I'm going to be asking Ryan to help me with, but some of those things. But uh, think about it. God had one son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he sent him to be a missionary. Ain't that cool? He sent him to be a missionary. And you want to know that everybody that has been saved since people have been getting saved Every one of them are missionaries. Every one of us are. You say, well, I'm not a missionary. I, I work a full-time secular job. I'm not a missionary. Yes, you are. You are a missionary in and on your full-time secular job. Uh, and it's not just in the fact you are there to be a witness and you are there to share the gospel and you are there to share Christ, but you're also there to be a light to be a good worker, to be a dependable worker, to have a good attitude, to, uh, you know, display, uh, you know, you know, care about people, love people, 
be a good worker, just all of these things that make a difference for Christ. Uh, I think it's a shame that there's so many Christians that literally go through so much of their life, and not to mention the fact of providing for your family and things of that nature, but I think it's a shame that so many Christians go through so much of their life going to their mission field on a daily basis, not feeling like they're serving God. Going to their mission field on a regular basis thinking, well, maybe one day I'll get to do something for God. Well, that's every day that you could do something for God. But it's a shame because some people just think, uh, just don't, don't see it that way. And it doesn't matter if you're retired. Um, it doesn't matter uh, where you're at in life. You are a missionary and, and whatever influence you have. I, I, I preach at the nursing homes a lot. I preach at assisted living. And, um, you know, sometimes I'm preaching the nursing home to where uh, I'm preaching to people that uh, some of these people and uh, Miss Sharon got me in the one where she used to work. And there's a lot of times that there's these folks that, uh, man, they... Uh, it, it's pretty sad because, I mean, from month to month, I, I, the people I preached to this Friday at the nursing home, uh, they, they may not be alive when I get there next week. Nevertheless, I get in there, and you know, the, the message I preached last Sunday, I preached a little bit different, but I was preaching about Jesus being the great I am, and the I am is all I need, but I was preaching more about Moses, and I was talking about how, for one thing, Moses was 80 years old. Of course, Moses was very healthy and, and, and strong, uh, but Moses was 80 years old when God called him. But I, but I just I was preaching about that. I was preaching about uh, God calling Moses and Moses making the excuses. But God telling him, "I am." You know, you may not be able to speak. You may not be a good speaker, Moses. But I am. Hey, Amen. Go down there. I'll do something. And, and then then I was preaching about how I mean, it's, I love the message because then God asked Moses and says, "What is that in thine hand? What is that in thine hand?" And just the, the, the short of that is the principle that God uses what you got. God doesn't come by and look at us and say, hey, man, I got this great thing for you to do. And then all of a sudden you say, well, you, you start telling God all, you don't, all that you don't have and all that you can't do. And then God says, oh, that's too bad. You're the wrong guy, I guess. You're the wrong lady. I, I, I guess I can't use you. Oh, when, when, when I was calling you, I thought maybe you had something more. But that's not the way God works. God says, what do you have in your hand, Moses? I've got a stick. I've got a rod in my hand. God made that rod the rod of God Almighty. He, he used that rod to work miracles. He's about to feed the 5,000, you know, and, and, and there he is about to feed the 5,000. Well, but they didn't have any food. And that boy, Jesus didn't say, I need somebody with a few truckloads of food. Anybody, anybody. Well, there's nobody here I can use, I guess. He didn't say that. There was a small boy there that said, well, I've got, I've got a couple fish and a few pieces of bread. Uh, but but what, what do you have? Put it in the master's hands. And you put it in the master's hands. And so th that's the message of being a servant. But my point is just simply this. That's what I preached at the nursing home on Friday. That's what I preached at the nursing home to people on Friday. Why? Because they all still have something in their hand. They all still have something. And you know what? They are, God's not done with them. They are missionaries there. And I try, to I try to remind them that because can you imagine living in a, in a, in a nursing home and, uh, and, and how that might be and how you could struggle? You think you struggle with purpose. You think you struggle with feeling significant. Uh, how, do you, can you imagine how they, some of them may struggle? So I try to remind them on a regular basis, hey, God's not done with you yet. God's got a work for you. 
Uh, and and, and it's because it, it, it's true. So if you're saved by the grace of God, please understand that you're a servant of God. And, and I'll tell you another thing that I am so confident in, and it's this. You know, for one thing, you think about it. It's easier to think of maybe from a, a ministry perspective. In other words, uh, over the years, I've had people that have uh, given me a call or whatever or, or met with me and said, uh, Jesse, man, you've, uh, you've been up there in South Dakota. You've, you know, almost as if you've paid your dues up there. Uh, now, don't you think it's time for you to move up? We've got an opportunity for you to move up, to, to take a, you know, a, a, a bigger position or, or a bigger this or that. I mean, okay, you, you, you've done it in South, you've worked in South Dakota, and now, now let's move up. But there's a problem with that. I can't move up because I can't move up any higher than I am right now. It's impossible. Uh, I can't move up any higher. I could go to a bigger city. Maybe I could go and pastor some larger church, but that, that wouldn't be a step up for me. That'd be a step down. And the reason being that I'm in the will of God. This is the will of God for my life. This is where God wants me to be right now. So therefore, there is, the only step up from here is heaven because uh, I'm exactly where God wants me to be. Now, I, I think you can understand that from a ministry perspective, uh, but I want to challenge you in that in your perspective. Uh, I, I understand that, I, and I have a great appreciation for the calling of God and for understanding that as a pastor and as a preacher that, uh, that this is an incredible responsibility and an incredible privilege. Uh, but let me tell you something. If, it's easy to sit there and say, well, God's not called me to do that. Uh, if, if what you're saying is true, God has called me to turn a wrench or to, you know, or to... Or to you know, whatever it might be, whatever your position may be, that's what God's called me to do. Well, guess what? You can't take a step up from that. If that's where God wants you to be, you can't all of a sudden say, say, well, I think I want to be a preacher because that would be a step up for me. It wouldn't be a step up for you. I don't believe that at all. You can't take a step up from where God has you. Has you. Um, so I just want to encourage you in those things. But, but, but so thinking about that, a servant of God, uh, let's look real quickly here at Romans chapter number 7. I believe that the Apostle Paul, the Lord used him in a great way, but let's begin reading in Romans 1, verse number 1, where the, where the Apostle Paul starts out and says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, <laughs> called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. And that's a mouthful, and we'll try to unpack it here in just a moment. Which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son jesus christ our lord which was made of the seed of david according to the flesh and declared to be the son of god with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name among whom among whom are ye also the called of jesus christ to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, I want to talk just a little bit this morning to you about the perspective of an effective Christian. The perspective of an effective Christian. 
So the very first thing I'll say about this perspective and this position is that we see the Apostle Paul's surrendered position. Surrendered position. He was a servant of Jesus Christ. The word for servant that's used right here would have, again, been very meaningful to Romans because servant, it, servant kind of, uh, what am I trying to say, softens the blow of a, of, a, of a synonym of that word, and it's slave. Slave. I am a slave of Jesus Christ is what Paul's literally saying. Now, the Roman world, he's writing to the Romans here, the book of Romans, but he's writing to all of us, but, but, but directly at this point, writing to the book of Romans. Listen, there were, there were an estimated 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. And a slave was looked on as a piece of property, not a person. So in loving devotion, Paul had enslaved himself to Christ to be his servant and to obey his will. It's much like the Lord Jesus Christ said, not my will, but thine be done. That's the attitude. Now, the reason it's okay to be a slave of Christ is that uh, he's a good Lord. Amen. He's a good master. And it's just simply saying, you know what, Lord, it's not about my rights. It's not, not about what I want. It's about what you want. Whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. Wherever you lead me, Lord, that's where I'm willing to follow. Being a slave. So we see, first of all, his surrendered position. We see, secondly, his sacred purpose. Again, there in verse number one, the Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. Called to be an apostle. Now, this word means, apostle means, one who is sent with or sent by authority with a commission. One who is sent by authority with a commission. It was applied in that day to the representatives of the emperor or the emissaries of a king. One of the requirements of an apostle was the... Uh, now, and, and let me back up here a second. So this is kind of one of those words, uh, apostle. There is a sense in which every one of us are apostles. In other words... The, the most simple definition of apostles is a sent one, one who is sent. Again, we add to it what I said, that the way it was understood in this day was one who was sent by authority with the commission. Uh, so there, there's a sense in which all of us are, again, sent ones. We've all been sent. If you've been saved, you've been sent. Um, so we've all been sent. Uh, we've, we've all been sent by authority with the commission. So in that sense, we are all apostles. But it's really, it is important to understand that there is a designation also in the Bible because we know that we, we often call the, 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 the disciples, you know, the 12 disciples. By the way, how many disciples were there actually? Okay, and that's right. That, it's kind of a trick question. Um, just because I heard a lot and I heard hundreds. Okay, um, Jesus, you know, uh, around the time that he called the 12, there was, I know, that, I know there's a reference, another number that is given, I want to say, is I believe at one point it mentions the number 60 disciples. Okay, and technically there were 100 disciples. Now that really got whittled down as Christ's ministry went on. But the point is, is that a disciple is a follower of Christ. And the reason I say that 
is out of all the people who were, because disciple just means that they were being, you know, they, they, were, they were under a discipline. They had, they had put themselves under a teacher. Now, uh, it's okay to still talk about the 12 disciples, okay? Uh, if uh, Perhaps a more correct way that I'll sometimes designate it is the 12 apostles because there were many disciples in actuality, but there were only, there were only 12 apostles. Apostles. Now, again, we know today that I'm sitting here looking at a room full of apostles in one sense of the word. Um, but there's another sense to where it's a, it's more, it's a title that's given. Now, Paul was an apostle as one of the 12 apostles, which, you know, we, we actually, Sharon and I were just having this conversation yesterday, I think. Uh, we were talking about, because uh, she just started the book of Acts, and you, you know when the disciples uh, were, they were wanting to replace Judas, and uh, they, they replaced him with uh, uh, Matthias or uh, whatever, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of debate around what happened there, but one thing's for sure, we know that Paul was uh, the one, I believe that Paul was the one who God had to take Judas's place, and I believe that uh, Matthias was one that man had to take, and I, that doesn't take away from the man of God that I'm sure that he was, but Paul was an apostle, as he said, born out of, born out of season is the way he put it. But there, there's a couple things important about an apostle, this, this authority uh, there, um, and here's, here's a couple things that had to happen for you to be one of the 12 apostles. One of the requirements for an apostle was the experience of seeing the risen Christ and being called and commissioned by the risen Christ. Now, we know that for sure when we think about the 11, but at what point did Paul actually see? And, 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 and what, at what point was Paul called by the risen Christ? Amen. That's right, on the road to Damascus. Because uh, Paul, of course, never, he didn't walk with Christ. Of course, he was a persecutor of Christians uh, as Saul before his conversion, but he was called. And by the way, uh, uh, the verse reference to that, uh, there's a reference to that in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 1 and 2. But Paul saw Christ, again, when he's on the road to Damascus, and it was then that Christ called him to be his apostle to the Gentiles. Paul received from Christ uh, divine revelations that he was to share with the churches. Now, I'm not meaning to talk about apostles, but I feel like it's a good point just to stop and maybe talk, discuss a couple things about this. Because today, again, there are preachers out there today that, that want to be called the apostle. You know, the apostle Jesse. Um, but now, one of the reasons why oftentimes is that one of the other things that accompanied the apostles, they were, they were chosen by the risen Christ, called by the risen Christ, but what's one of the things that Jesus did to kind of prove that these guys were his representatives during that transition period? I'm not asking that very well. I'm trying to say um, some of the things the apostles could do that we don't do today. Yeah, the miracles. I'm not raising anybody from the dead. Uh, I mean, you remember, I mean, to, to, with, you remember Peter? It's amazing. If, if, you're, if you're in the book of Acts, uh, you know, some of, some, of, some of you are, there's a place in the where the Bible says people, they'd see Paul coming down, the, or Peter coming down the street, and they would literally, 
depending on the time of day, put, put, put these people either on the east side or the west side of the apostle Peter so that when his shadow walked, uh, went across them, they would be healed. Now, that doesn't happen with me very often, okay? Uh, they were able to form, they, they raised people from the dead. They, they, they had this, uh, and, and listen, I understand that God works, uh, you know, God's still a miracle working God. He really is. But as far as this power just for, that was given to the apostles that they were able to actually just proclaim right now, uh, you know, for, for healing or being raised from the dead or whatever the case may be, uh, this was an important uh, power that was given. And I'm just saying that to say that there's no one today that could claim to be that kind of apostle. And really, it goes back to really where, really, probably the first, the very first uh, deal, and that's being called by the resurrected Christ. And, I, and again, I know that we've all been called by the resurrected Christ again, but he has not come and appeared to us. Uh, so, and, and, and that's, that's, a, that's a place, by the way, and again, I'm just stopping and teaching on something else here just for a minute. Uh, I don't know if semantics would be the right word, you know, I mean, as, in other words, the, uh, the, 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 the application and use of words and so forth. You know, again, there's a sense in which we're all apostles, but we understand that we're not like the apostle Paul. We understand that we're not Peter. We understand that there's a, a difference there. Uh, it's similar in uh, the word deacon. Did you know that? The word deacon, the word deaconess even comes up in the Bible. The word deacon means servant. So there's also a sense in which we are all deacons. If you're saved by the grace of God, we should all be deacons. If you're a woman that's saved by the grace of God, you should be a deaconess. So we understand that, but there's a distinction between, again, just the simple meaning of the word, and then all of a sudden, much like the word, word apostle, then it goes into the office. So then, the, then there's, a, there's a distinction between a servant that is set aside differently, and that's where the Bible starts giving the distinctions of a deacon. I just say that because uh, there, you know, there's churches that try to justify uh, and make different things out of a deacon based on just the meaning of the word and not understanding the meaning of scripture. And the same way with apostle, um, there's other, other titles like that that technically someone may feel, but not in the position that it's given in the word of God. But, but so is sacred purpose. He was an apostle. We are all sent ones. Every one of us, we are all sent with authority like the apostle Paul. Uh, the Apostle Paul was also a preacher of the gospel. The preacher of the gospel. Uh, notice the last part of verse number 1. The Bible says he was separated unto the gospel of God. Again, verse 2. All throughout the word of God, I'm here to preach what the, what, what the Bible has to say about Jesus. And so verses 2 through 4, just continue to talk about Jesus Christ. I'm coming to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he yielded to Christ, and he was separated to the gospel and its ministry. Gospel, what's gospel mean? The good news. You know, there again, it means good news, but we understand more specifically, 1 Corinthians 15, it's the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But the meaning of the word is good news. But the good news is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Now, I would argue that... 
again, being real picky, I don't know what's wrong with me today trying to get nitpicky on some words and things here today, but uh, I'm thinking about the gospel because I'll often say that there are people, you know people, and there are people around us who have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. I use that terminology, a clear presentation of the gospel. Now, it's pretty unlikely, well, outside of maybe some international uh, people that, that, you know, immigrants or something that have moved in perhaps, but for the most part, most of the people that live around us, they've, they know, they've, they've heard that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. So in a sense, they've heard the gospel. But I say they haven't heard a clear presentation of the gospel because they've never heard the application of why Jesus died, why he was buried, why he rose again. And so the Apostle Paul, he was called to be an apostle. He was a preacher of the gospel. And much like us, we also carry the gospel. The gospel of God, because it originates with God. Man, I'm glad it's called also in Romans 1.16, the gospel of Christ. Romans 1 verse 9 calls it the gospel of His Son. Why? Because the gospel is not an invention of man. The gospel, is, the gospel originated with God. It's God's message to man. But it's us that should carry forth the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, going back to where we very first started at, whatever your job may be, whatever your station in life may be, you carry the gospel. You're a missionary. You have a message. And one of the greatest things that we carry, the Bible says we carry this treasure in hidden vessel, in earthen vessels. And may God help us to share the good news with somebody, to share the gospel, to preach the gospel to someone. And again, preaching doesn't have to be up behind a pulpit, expounding the word of God. You can preach over a cup of coffee. <laughs> you can preach over breakfast. You can preach over, uh, over uh, uh, you know, whatever it is you're working on. You can share the gospel with somebody. And man, that's one of the greatest things that we can ever do is share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, of course, is the center of the gospel message. Um, you know, it can, it can, it, we can get kind of distracted sometimes. I think of, uh, you know, I, I really believe, man, we, we've been so blessed in our country. One of the reasons we've been so blessed in our country is because of the influence of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Uh, the, the, the power of the gospel is one reason that we have the great country that we have today. Now, we've seen that really wane, and, but, but, but that's where our roots and that's where our heritage comes from. It comes, I mean, uh, it comes from the word of God and the gospel of Christ. Therefore, I believe that in, in a sense, a biblical principle could be that God has blessed us with our country and there's a sense as citizens of the united states to where we have a stewardship that god is this is something that's been passed down to us this is something that we now own so to speak so man i believe it's our right as as citizens i believe it's our responsibility as citizens of what god has blessed us and given us with to, uh, given us that we do get involved in the political process that we do uh, at, at the very least take time to vote uh, run for office, you know, be salt and light in the world, all these things. But I'm telling you, our main, the main cause of any Christian cannot be the United States of America. That cannot be the main cause of any Christian. It cannot be the conservative movement. 
You probably know this as well as I do, but nowhere in the Word of God, I mean, it's a shame when pulpits across America have just become a platform for the GOP uh, or for the Tea Party. I don't care. That is not the platform. That's not what the pulpit is about. And you know that I'll preach, uh, the, I'll preach about these things as much as anybody, but that is not the message. The heart of the message still has to be the gospel. Uh, and, 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 and I'm not scared to take on these things, and you know we do it all the time. I, I'll preach about politics, and I'll preach about things going on in our world. But the main message, our main calling, is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, because I, I, I and, and praise God, I haven't had too many people ask me about this, but for a lot of people, by the way, did you know some people seem to get mixed, the, the two just totally interwound? I know that, the, that America was founded on God and the Bible. Um, but being an American and being a Christian aren't the same thing, all right? It's not the same thing, um, even though we were founded, you know, on those principles. But I've, I've had people, there, there's people that uh, want to preach and teach and, and want even maybe the preacher so much just to take these things on, these, you know, these political issues. And again, I'll do it uh, as they're biblical, you know, and so forth. And there's a lot of them, it's so much that it, that is. But if there comes an unsaved liberal or leftist into this building my job is not to try to get them to vote <laughs> republican it's not my job to do that uh or it's it's not my job just to let them know by golly you're not welcome here if you're uh voting that way no my job is to say hey do you know jesus <laughs> amen because 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 the problem sometimes with getting so involved and, and believe me I, i'm i'm all in on that and I, I don't maybe i don't need to say that anymore i hope you know that i'm all in on that i believe in being uh i i've uh i you know uh i volunteer just a couple times a year no big contribution but i i volunteer a couple times with faith and freedom uh the faith and freedom coalition uh you know that that's that's actively trying to play a role in legislation of, of, of states as well as in, in our country uh, to, to promote Christian values and all that. Man, I'm, I'm all in on that stuff. Uh, but they even would tell you that's not what they're looking for. They're looking just for people to preach the gospel because here's the thing. Uh, politicians have their place, but as a Christian, you can be a Christian and a politician, by the way, but as a Christian, uh, our main job is to proclaim the gospel. Uh, and then our... Uh, then whatever else our job is after that, because here's my thing. Do I just want to try to, some people just want to try to win an argument with somebody else, left or right. I'm just going to try to win an argument with this person. I'm going to out-debate them. Well, if you've ever studied anything about debate, you know that good de a good debater will tell you, a good debater can not believe one word that they're saying and know they're 100% wrong from their point of view. But a good debater can still win the debate. Uh, it's not about trying to win a debate. It's not about trying to, uh, you know, outsmart somebody or something. Man, I want to have a conversation with this person. I want to lead them to Christ. Uh, that's my ultimate goal. Um, and so, uh, whatever we are, we carry the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I, I've shared with you before, I'm a, I'm a big fan of... Uh, of texas senator brian hughes uh we're uh acquaintances i'd like to call us friends we text back and forth sometimes we only see each other usually uh once or twice a year but senator brian hughes from texas uh man that dude you talk about a guy that loves the lord now he's a brilliant lawyer he's 
uh, you know, graduated from Baylor with a law degree. He's uh, and, and all that, but he, he's a senator. And again, I, I've told you before, but he's he's the senator in Texas. He was the author of the bill that uh, that stopped the basically has stopped the uh, so many of the abortions, the heartbeat bill in the state of Texas. He's the senator that's accomplished that. Um, I've, I've 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 talked to him on several occasions. Man, just a great guy. Really, genuinely loves the Lord, loves people. Uh, Anytime I've heard him speak, and then I can say also, I was asking my, my friend about this, anytime my friend Jason said he's heard him speak, and I'm sure it may be different when he's, you know, speaking to the legislature and all that, when, again, when you're on your job, sometimes you do your job. And the way you are a witness for Christ is you do your job in, an, in, in a classy way, upstanding way. You don't have to always be preaching, all right? So I'm sure there's times that he don't, but it's, it's a, it's, it's a common thing. If he's speaking to a group of people, he always tries to get, and he'll share the word of God, and he'll give the gospel. He'll give the gospel message. Uh, Mark Robinson, lieutenant governor of North Carolina, is another one. Uh, now, again, his job is to take on the left. That's what his job is. He's a politician. Uh, but in doing so, he proclaims the gospel as well. So and no, matter what, no matter what it is that we do, may we always have the gospel uh, at forefront, you know, sharing why Jesus died and, and that he died for you and that if you don't know him as Savior, you can know him. It's a message that we preach, but it's also kind of a lifestyle that we live, and that goes into our jobs and so forth. He had a sacred purpose, and I'm telling you, every one of you today have a sacred purpose and a sacred calling. Every one of us. Paul was a preacher of the gospel, so are we. You may not be called to be a preacher, but again, you know, proclaiming the word of God, sharing the gospel with somebody else, maybe sharing a gospel track with somebody else, just doing something. Um, you know, something that's one of the most powerful ways, and I'm, I'm glad for people in here that have, have discovered this, uh, but if you have the opportunity, uh, I don't know if this would be the right terminology, but I'm going to call it relational evangelism. You know, I, I really believe in the, the, the old saying that says that people aren't, you know, it's, it's, it's almost cliche, but I believe there's a ton of truth to it, that people, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? I believe that. I believe in giving the gospel to people. But I've seen sometimes people that, since we're not supposed to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, which is true, but that doesn't mean that we don't befriend, because Jesus did. Jesus befriended these people. Jesus spent time with these people. Uh, and I understand people cross the line and say, I believe if Jesus was here today, he'd be out drinking it up in the bars, just showing people how much he loved. Well, that's a bunch of garbage. He, he wouldn't do that. But I'm telling you, he sure, did, he sure didn't mind being around uh, sinners and prostitutes and spending time with them and loving them. He wasn't a partaker in their deeds because it's hard to save somebody from their sins if you're in those sins with them. Uh, all right, so that's not the type of evangelism I'm talking about, but I am talking about loving people because I've seen people that's just like, nope, I'm just going to give them the gospel, and if they don't get saved, that's their business, but I gave them the gospel, and that's it. Okay, what about inviting them to breakfast? What about inviting them for coffee? About, how about inviting them over to your house, you know? Uh, if, if, if you're a hunter and they're a hunter, uh, man, go out and hunt with them. Late night to fish, go fishing with them. Uh, whatever it might be. I, I used to tease around when I lived in Pier. Uh, you know, you, you think hunting, hunting and fishing is a part of the culture here. I know, I know it is. But man, when I lived in central South Dakota, it was such a part of the culture that 
uh, especially if you didn't at least hunt or fish, man, they'd look at you kind of cross-eyed, those guys. It's almost like you ended the conversation with those dudes. So me and Brother Ruckman sometimes would joke around uh, and say, uh, we, we'd talk about the hunting ministry. We've got the hunting ministry. What are you doing today? I'm doing ministry. What are you doing? I'm out pheasant hunting. I'm out shooting prairie dogs. With this guy that I met that I want to see come to Christ. And I've got ulterior motives, but it's not just that it's all about ulterior motives. I genuinely care about this guy. I really do. So I want to invest time with this guy. I want to spend time. So, uh, you know, I saw something earlier this week. You may have saw it too, but I, I saw somebody post something that as Christians, we, we always tell people, invite people to church, invite people to church. And we do need to invite people to church. Uh, I still think that when you look at the statistics, right or wrong, as far as whether it should be this way, it is this way, that most, still most people that get saved get saved in church. And most people that are saved got saved in church. So we, we invite people to church. But, again, invite them over. Invite them to lunch. <laughs> you know, spend some time with them. Uh, that's, that's what Jesus did. Uh, Jesus, one of the very, my, my favorite passages about Jesus and sharing the gospel is the Bible says that he was literally among the people. And uh, so by the grace of God, we should, should do that. And, and, and one reason I say that is because for some people, it's hard just to cold come up to somebody and say, hey, I want to tell you about the gospel. Uh, some people may be more bold in that. That's where gospel tracks a lot of times can make it easier and stuff. But you know what? At the same time, it doesn't always have to be. Hey, I'm going to you know, preach to you right now. You got a few minutes? It can be, hey, uh, get to know you, what you're interested in, what, what's going on in your life, what's going on in your family. Uh, hey, how can I pray for you? This world doesn't need more religion, does it? This world doesn't need more religious people. I'm just telling you, it don't. Uh, are you ever reminded in your life about how hurting people are, how hurt people are? I'm telling you, I mean, it, it, by the way, it's not just people outside of the church. That's people in the church, uh, people that are broken, people that are having uh, family troubles, people that are having marital troubles, people that are having financial troubles, people that are having job troubles, people that are, there, there's, there's a lot of hurt. And that's one reason, man, we want to be a place and be open where people, we can love people, help people through that stuff. But man, this, this, this world does not just need more religion. They need Jesus. And we need to show them the love of Christ. And one of the ways we show them the love of Christ is just simply by loving them and loving on them and showing interest in their lives. You know, I've, I've talked about this. I, need to come, I, I want to come back to it again uh, this year. But uh, challenging and encouraging you and myself, because I, I bet if I were to put most of you on the spot this morning and said, hey, is there somebody in your life, can you, can you tell me right now, Five people in your life that aren't saved that you know that you would really love to see saved. I bet it wouldn't take too long for you to say, oh, what, I mean, maybe write it well, but this one for sure. And that one and that one. It may not take you too long to write down five people that you would like to see come to Christ. Man, I want to encourage us this year to write them down, to actually write it down, put a note in your phone, whatever you do, uh, I, I want to, uh, I'm going to pick on Eric even though he's not here because it was just the funniest thing one time. Uh, he was, uh, we were talking and uh, he was asking about something and he said, okay, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll put that in my notes. And then I was impressed. I'm talking about Eric and Eric's, uh, uh, I think in his 70s. Uh, anyway, uh, 
But he's not the youngest. He's not one of the young. He's not in the youth group. I'll just say that. But when he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a note of that, he, uh, he pulled out his smartphone. I thought, well, kind of surprising. You know, I'm going to make a note of it. But then, Ralph, he flipped his smartphone around and he literally had a little notebook, a little pad on the back of there, and then he literally wrote the notes. It was just the coolest thing ever. Um, So however you do it, but write it down, all right? Uh, Write down five people, and then what, what, what that's good about is that's a list that you can look at every week. Number one, you could start praying over it every day, just calling their name out to the Lord. But then you know what? As you do that, make it a point to call them, text them, find out what's going on in their lives, have a meal with them from time to time, have coffee, I mean, whatever, do something with them. And you, you keep that list in your prayer. Your pra- it's like, man, what if I start getting on their nerves and they tell me to quit texting them or quit calling them or to leave them alone? Well, leave them alone. Don't quit praying for them, but you can give them some space. Put somebody else on there. But... Um, but the point is, is there's a lot of, there's people, there's hurting people in this world, and they're not, most of them have tried religion, so they're not real trusting of the whole religious thing. Uh, so don't try to offer them what to them is perceived as religion. Do what Jesus did and just offer them love. Offer them some friendship. Offer them some acceptance. Um, and... And just see where that goes. And, and some of you know, well, and I'm not just preaching years ago. There's some that used to preach what they called lifestyle evangelism. I believe in lifestyle evangelism. I guess it's kind of what I'm talking about a little bit in the, message, in the message today. But what they would say is, you don't even ever need to share the gospel with anybody. You just live it, and they'll come to Christ. Well, that's not a scriptural thing. Now, it may be true that you live in such a way to where people get interested, but at some point, they, they're going to have to hear the gospel message if they're going to get saved, all right? Um, so I believe there's both. You know, so many times we've got to do either or. <laughs> Churches can be terrible about that. Baptists can be bad about, what's well, either or? Why has it got to be either or? Why can't I live a lifestyle of evangelism and share the gospel like Jesus did? Um, well, that's, and that's what we got to do. So, so just like, and again, the perspective of an effective Christian, number one, he says, I'm a slave. I'm a servant. I'm surrendering my rights. I'm surrendering my will. I'm surrendering my want-tos. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. That's what Paul did. He surrendered. He was an apostle. He was the one who was sent with the commission. Every one of us are sent with the commission. Of course, we discussed the, 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 distinct, the distinct between the, the, the position of an apostle, but as far as the meaning of the word, being a called one, being a preacher of the gospel. God helped each of us to be faithful preachers of the gospel. So no matter what it is that we do, that we can be sharing the gospel with someone else. All right. Uh, Thank you for your patience this morning. We got, uh, oh man, gosh, you wouldn't believe it. If your work day could go by the way time goes by up here, Anybody ever watch the Twilight Zone?
said 1040. 10 seconds later, it says 1045. Now, for you, it could be different. Because if you looked at your phone a few minutes ago, it said 1030. And then an hour later, it says 1040. And you're like, what's going on here? Um, it's just such a different perspective. But uh, all right. Uh, well, God bless you. We'll, uh, we'll start right back at 11. <laughs>